If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting tonight from New Hampshire. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us. We begin here in New Hampshire with breaking news because the final votes in tonight's Democratic primary are being cast right now. The polls here close soon and based on our interviews with voters, it looks like we could be in for a tight race. That's because Democrats in New Hampshire appear to be split what they are looking for in a candidate. 40% of voters said today they want a candidate who will return to the policies of Barack Obama, while 38% want a candidate who will bring more liberal policies to the White House. And those confusing results in Iowa and Friday night's debate may have helped change minds here. Almost half of those who voted say they picked their candidate in just the last few days, some late deciders, and that's double the number from 2016. Bernie Sanders has led every recent Democratic poll here, but two other candidates have been surging Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar. And tonight, this, Joe Biden appears to be conceding defeat. He's already on his way to South Carolina for a rally there. Our team is covering tonight's primary from across the state, and Ed O'Keefe leads us off our coverage tonight. Ed? Nora, good evening. The one thing that Democrats appear to be united on here in New Hampshire is their anger towards President Trump. And more than 60% say they're more concerned about finding someone who can defeat the president than finding a candidate they agree with on the issues. Go Pete, we've got this! Former Mayor Pete Buttigieg made a last minute attempt to find voters this morning. We need to pull off a big success and it feels like it's shaping up well. He's hoping to defeat the more progressive Senator Bernie Sanders, who's trying to be the first non-president to win back-to-back -back primaries here. We have an agenda that speaks to the needs of working families all across this country. In the last week, nobody has climbed faster than Senator Amy Klobuchar. It is here that many candidates that are not as well known or maybe don't have the biggest bank account uh, find their footing in the state of New Hampshire. Klobuchar is hoping that undecided voters give her another look before casting a ballot. She had a breakout performance at last week's debate, and based on exit polls, almost half of voters said the debate was an important factor in their decision. Ed O'Keefe, CBS News, Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm Nicole Killian in Nashua. We're going to fight for every vote we have here. Former Vice President Joe Biden said he was after every vote, but left New Hampshire before they were even counted. Going to South Carolina tonight. Biden's poll numbers in New Hampshire have plummeted, and the campaign sees the primary in South Carolina, where he's more popular, as an opportunity to rebound. But there are more danger signs for Biden. The latest national poll shows he's dropped nine points and now has former New York City Mayor Michael Bloomberg close on his heels. 
But Bloomberg is under fire tonight after a 2015 speech surfaced where he defends his controversial stop and frisk policy and explained why cops are put in minority neighborhoods. Because that's where all the crime is. And the way you get the guns on the kids' hands is uh, to throw them against the wall and frisk them. Bloomberg has apologized for the policy and did so again today. I apologize. I own it. Another candidate fighting for survival is Massachusetts Senator Elizabeth Warren, who has seen some of her support slip against candidates like Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, who's rallying here tonight. Nora. All right, Nicole, thank you. And we spent part of our day here in New Hampshire with Amy Klobuchar and Pete Buttigieg, two candidates who weren't among the favorites when the campaign began, but who are now surging in a state known for its surprises. You got your perka on? I do. <laughs> Meanwhile, I have no jacket on, because that's my thing. Amy Klobuchar may not have a coat, but she does have momentum. And we spoke with her aboard her campaign bus earlier today. People are realizing, you know what, she's actually doing better than anyone thought. And I think that's the story of my life, and that's the story of this campaign. Thank you. But tougher contests in Nevada and South Carolina, where Klobuchar is polling in single digits, lay ahead. You talked about what you learned from your father being resiliency. Even if you do well in New Hampshire, it gets a lot harder <laughs> yeah. after this. It does. I'm a good campaigner, and I find a way to keep moving. And Nevada's a state, this is something people haven't realized, two women in the U.S. Senate. They have elected a majority women legislature. Um, and so there's going to be some interesting things that are advantages to me in Nevada. Do you think it's been the policy that's connected, or it's when you get personal with voters that connects? I think that they are looking for someone that they believe and that they can trust. You talk about empathy. Mm -hmm. People like Trump because he's a fighter. Sure, but I'm a fighter too. I think we need someone tough uh, to take him on. Mayor Bloomberg has now risen to third place. How do you compete against that? Uh, well, Michael Bloomberg uh, is a force. Uh, he has billions of dollars. I don't have billions of dollars. So I actually think it's good he's going to be on the debate stage because I'm never going to be able to beat him on the airwaves, but I can beat him on the debate stage. Iowa helped propel Pete Buttigieg, and now expectations here in New Hampshire are high. What constitutes victory for you? It will be very important for us to put up uh, a very good showing, even knowing that we are competing against some competitors who are from right here in New England. How do you appeal to the progressive wing of the Democratic Party? Well, my message to progressives is simple. I would be the most progressive president in the last half century. And yet, I've, I'm also offering a way to do it that doesn't risk the further division and polarization that is already such a problem for our country. There's a passion for Donald Trump. He has his supporters and always will. But I'm also meeting so many people. They come to my events and they make it clear that they're used to voting Republican, but they're just sick of this. It's part of why I believe we need to build a movement that can welcome in those who will cross over. It's not going to be everybody. And the race is on, so we will have updates for you on the New Hampshire primary during primetime programming tonight right here on CBS. There is breaking news in the case against Roger Stone, the longtime ally of President Trump, who was convicted on seven counts, including obstruction and witness tampering. Well, late today, all four career federal prosecutors who worked the case abruptly quit. As critics say, a decision to reject their sentencing recommendation was an abuse of power. Jeff Begay's reports tonight from Washington. 
This afternoon, President Trump said he did not ask the Justice Department to lower its sentencing recommendation for his friend Roger Stone. I thought the recommendation was ridiculous. I thought the whole prosecution was ridiculous. The controversy started yesterday when prosecutors asked a judge to sentence Stone to seven to nine years in prison. President Trump responded overnight on Twitter, calling it horrible and a miscarriage of justice. The Justice Department's decision today to argue for a shorter sentence and overrule their own prosecutors prompted four of them to resign in an apparent protest. How unusual is it for DOJ to reverse course like this? In this case, it's stunning. Scott Fredrickson is a former federal prosecutor. And a fundamental rule of the Department of Justice is not to interfere politically with criminal prosecutions, especially on behalf of the president. And late today, the Justice Department said that it would leave the decision on Stone's sentencing to the judge in this case and that the original seven to nine year sentencing recommendation would not be appropriate. Nora. What an incredible story, Jeff. Thank you. And tonight, the World Health Organization is using its strongest language yet, calling that deadly coronavirus a very grave threat that could have powerful consequences, more powerful consequences than a terrorist attack. But as Carter Evans reports, one group of Americans may have dodged the bullet. Medical masks were tossed in celebration when 195 American evacuees were finally released after 14 days under quarantine at March Air Reserve Base. So today's the last day. We are heading home. Jared Evans fled from Wuhan, the epicenter of the coronavirus. Are you concerned about how you might be accepted when you return home? You know, um, it's been on the back of my mind. In San Diego, health officials now confirm one of the passengers who arrived there on a flight last week is infected. The patient is in the hospital and said to be doing well. The largest coronavirus outbreak outside of China is on a cruise ship docked in Yokohama, Japan, where nearly 3,600 people remain under quarantine after more than 130 cases were confirmed, including 23 Americans and 10 crew members. Benai Kumar Sarkar works side by side with other crew members, fearful the close quarters could spread the virus among them. Two travelers from China are still here on base, finishing out their individual quarantines. As for those evacuated Americans, well, the CDC says they are virus free and no further medical checkups are required. Nora. All right, Carter, thank you. A father who had moved into his daughter's college dorm is under arrest tonight on federal charges of extortion and sex trafficking involving her schoolmates. The alleged scheme was so twisted and outrageous that one FBI official said, if you're not angry, you don't have a soul. Here's Errol Barnett. Lawrence Ray left jail in 2010, moving into his daughter's on-campus house for a year at Sarah Lawrence College in Westchester, New York. According to the indictment, he used verbal and physical abuse to control his young victims, that abuse escalating once they moved to New York City with him a short time later. So Ray directed his victims to obtain money for him by other means, by draining their parents' savings and worse, forced labor and prostitution. Ray is charged with nine counts, including sex trafficking, extortion, and money laundering. The indictment says Ray also demanded taped confessions from his victims for supposed crimes they committed. Anybody threaten you? No. Anybody coerce you? No. 
In this video uploaded in 2017, an apparently disoriented young woman says she tried to poison Ray, an unsubstantiated claim. And you poisoned me? Yes. You said? Yes. Prosecutors say he used these videos to extort his victims. Now, Sarah Lawrence College said it looked into accusations against Ray from 2011 but could not substantiate them, pledging to cooperate with this investigation. Now, Ray faces an arraignment at the courthouse you see behind me on Wednesday, and Nora, if found guilty, faces a maximum sentence of life in prison. All right, Errol, thank you. Now a CBS News investigation. There are new clues in the mysterious disappearance months ago of two Idaho children. You may remember the story. Their mother and her new husband turned up recently in Hawaii. And tonight, we're hearing from family members who suspect the worst. Jonathan Vigliotti reports tonight from Idaho. Tonight, relatives are painting a dark and demented picture of Lori Vallow as investigators try to figure out what happened to her children, seven-year-old Joshua J.J. Vallow and 17-year-old Tylee Ryan. Tylee's aunt says Vallow's belief in doomsday scenarios changed how she felt about the kids. Sometimes she wonders if, if it would be better just to put her kids in a car and go off the side of a cliff. The children haven't been seen since September, the same month Vallo moved the family to Rexburg, Idaho, so she could be closer to Chad Daybell. He's written more than 25 books, many about the end of the world. Daybell and Vallo are now married and living in Hawaii, both of their previous spouses dying under suspicious circumstances, according to authorities. CBS News has learned Tylee's cell phone was found with her mom in Hawaii. A text message was sent from the teen's phone to a friend a month after she disappeared. No teenager would willingly be without her phone. JJ's grandfather now confirms Vallow stashed his grandson's favorite toys in this storage unit and got rid of his service dog. Everything that Lori is doing runs counter to what a parent would do whose child is alive. Jonathan Vigliotti, CBS News, Rexburg, Idaho. Today, actor Jesse Smollett was indicted in Chicago for allegedly faking a racist and anti-gay attack on him. Remember, prosecutors last year accused Smollett of staging the attack to help his career. Well, the charges were dropped, and that caused an uproar, and a special prosecutor was appointed to investigate the case. Today, a grand jury returned six new charges against Smollett. Wedding dreams suddenly turned into nightmares for nearly 3,000 brides and grooms when a national chain of wedding venues abruptly closed. As Janet Chamlin reports, those couples tonight are out more than $7 million. The fairy tale of a perfect wedding is now crushed for Eva Hung and her fiance. With their ceremony three weeks away, Eva is scrambling after her venue, Noah's, closed without warning. How much money did you lose? Probably anywhere from ten to twelve thousand dollars. Twenty-eight hundred weddings and special events across the country are now at risk after the entire chain abruptly shut down. I don't want to cry, um, but it was hard. No notice to customers, many learning only through social media. Couples posting, we are so heartbroken. And closing your doors days before someone's wedding, shame on you. Noah's filed for bankruptcy last May after investor allegations of fraud. A judge last week ordering it to close immediately. A notice on Noah's website Monday stated negative publicity along with the court order has made it impossible to continue. Tonight, the bride-to-be still has no place for her big day. 
and her 160 guests. Because we are paying for everything, we're probably not going to go on our honeymoon. Janet Shamley and CBS News, Houston. The opioid crisis is a major public health issue here in New Hampshire. The state has the third highest death rate from opioid overdoses. It's twice the national average and a source of pain for so many families. We met one man who's channeling his grief into helping others. In tonight's Every State Has a Story. Peter Kelleher never thought he'd be driving a big red bus down the snowy roads of New England. Boots and boots and boots and gloves. And he never thought he'd be a lifeline for thousands of homeless people. Bundle it up, really, so you'll be really warm. Hi, Peter, how are you? We met up with him in Manchester, New Hampshire, and he told us how this all got started. What did your son Travis need? He had it all. He was kind, he was handsome, he needed to get off the drugs. Addicted to opioids and homeless, Peter's son Travis died in 2016. He was 33. I couldn't save him. His mother couldn't save him. His, his grandmother, we just, he, he had that devil. He had the demon. The opioid demon. Yeah, and I just had to do something. So Peter started making soup for the homeless. Go. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Peter's nonprofit, Support the Soup Man, has expanded. He buys boots in bulk and stocks a mobile closet full of warm clothes. This is needed more than anything out there. Socks. Socks, boots, and gloves. I'll give this over here. And there are backpacks that are truly care packages. How do you hope to make a difference? Every day, I hope to make a difference in someone's heart. And with so much need, Peter says... He will never stop. And on tomorrow's CBS Evening News, we've got more inspirational stories. We'll meet a man who truly gives of himself all to save lives. And that is tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Manchester, New Hampshire. We wish you a good night. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.